Act Three of The Second Mrs. Tanqueray by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Third Act The Drawing Room at Hyacombe. Facing the spectator are two large French windows, sheltered by a veranda leading into the garden. On the right is a door opening into a small hall. The fireplace, with a large mirror above it, is on the left-hand side of the room, and higher up in the same wall are double doors recessed. The room is richly furnished, and everything betokens taste and luxury. The windows are open, and there is moonlight in the garden. Lady Oriet a pretty, affected doll of a woman with a mincing voice and flaxen hair, is sitting on the ottoman, her head resting against the drum, and her eyes closed. Paula, looking pale, worn, and thoroughly unhappy, is sitting at a table. Both are in sumptuous dinner-gowns. Lady Oriet, opening her eyes. Well, I never. I dropped off feeling her hair just fancy where are the men paula icily outside smoking a servant enters with coffee which he hands to lady oriet sir george oriet comes in by the window he is a man of about thirty-five with a low forehead a receding chin a vacuous expression and an ominous redness about the nose Lady Oriad, taking coffee. Here's Dodo. I say, the flies under the veranda make you swear. The servant hands coffee to Paula, who declines it, then to Sir George, who takes a cup. Aye, wait a bit. He looks at the tray searchingly, then puts back his cup. Never mind quietly to lady oriet i say they're do sparing with their liquor ain't they the servant goes out at window paula to sir george won't you take coffee george no thanks it's getting near time for a whisky and potash approaching paula regarding lady oriet admiringly i say Birdie looks ripping tonight, don't she? Your wife? Yes, Birdie. Ripping? Yes. Quite, quite ripping. He moves round to the settee. Paula watches him with distaste, then rises and walks away. Sir George falls asleep on the settee. Paula, love. I fancied you and Aubrey were a little more friendly at dinner. You haven't made it up, have you? We? Oh, no. We speak before others, that's all. And how long do you intend to carry on this game, dear? Paula, turning away impatiently. I really can't tell you. Sit down, old girl. Don't be so fidgety. Paula sits on the upper seat of the ottoman with her back to Lady Oriet. Of course, it's my duty as an old friend to give you a good talking to. Paula glares at her suddenly and fiercely. But really, 
I've found one gets so many smacks in the face through interfering in matrimonial squabbles that I've determined to drop it. I think you're wise. However, I must say that I do wish you'd look at marriage in a more solemn light, just as I do, in fact. It is such a beautiful thing, marriage. And if people in our position don't respect it, and set a good example by living happily with their husbands, what can you expect from the middle classes? When did this sad state of affairs between you and Aubrey actually begin? Actually, a fortnight and three days ago. I haven't calculated the minutes. A day or two before Dodo and I turned up. Arrived. Yes. One always remembers one thing by another. We left off speaking to each other the morning I wrote, asking you to visit us. Lucky for you I was able to pop down, wasn't it, dear? Paula, glaring at her again. Most fortunate. A serious split with your husband without a pal on the premises. I should say without a friend in the house would be most unpleasant. Paula, turning to her abruptly. This place must be horribly doleful for you and George just now. At least, you ought to consider him before me. Why don't you leave me to my difficulties? Oh, we're quite comfortable, dear. Thank you, both of us. George and me are so wrapped up in each other, it doesn't matter where we are. I don't want to crow over you, old girl, but I've got a perfect husband. Sir George is now fast asleep, his head thrown back and his mouth open, looking hideous. Paula, glancing at Sir George. So you've given me to understand. Not that we don't have our little differences. Why, we fell out only this very morning. You remember the diamond and ruby tiara Charlie Prestwick gave poor dear Connie Tillamont years ago, don't you? No, I do not. No? Well, it's in the market. Benjamin of Piccadilly has got it in his shop window, and I've set my heart on it. You consider it quite necessary? Yes, because what I say to Dodo is this. A lady of my station must smother herself with hair ornaments. It's different with you, love. People don't look for so much blaze from you. But I've got rank to keep up, haven't I? Yes. Well, that was the cause of the little set-to between I and Dodo this morning. He broke two chairs he was in such a rage. I forgot, they're your chairs. Do you mind? No. You know, poor Dodo can't lose his temper without smashing something. If it isn't a chair, it's a mirror. If it isn't that, it's china. A bit of Dresden for choice. Dear old pet. He loves a bit of Dresden when he's furious. He doesn't really throw things at me, dear. He simply lifts them up and drops them, like a gentleman. I expect our room upstairs will look rather wrecky before I get that tiara. Excuse the suggestion. Perhaps your husband can't afford it. Oh, how dreadfully changed you are, Paula. Dodo can always mortgage something or borrow off his ma. What is coming to you? Ah. <sighs> she sits at the piano and touches the keys. 
Oh, yes, do play. That's the one thing I envy you for. What shall I play? What was that heavenly piece you gave us last night, dear? A bit of Schubert. Would you like to hear it again? You don't know any comic songs, do you? I'm afraid not. I leave it to you, then. Paula plays. Aubrey and Kaylee Drummel appear outside the window. They look into the room. Aubrey to Drummel. You can see her face in that mirror. Poor girl, how ill and wretched she looks. When are the Oriots going? Heaven knows. Entering the room. But you're entertaining them. What's it to do with heaven? Following Aubrey. Do you know, Kaylee, that even the Oriots serve a useful purpose? My wife actually speaks to me before our guests. Think of that. I've come to rejoice at the presence of the Oriads. I dare say. We're taught that beetles are sent for a benign end. Kaylee, talk to Paula again tonight? Certainly, if I get the chance. Let's contrive it. George is asleep. Perhaps I can get that doll out of the way. As they advance into the room, Paula abruptly ceases playing and finds interest in a volume of music. Sir George is now nodding and snoring apoplectically. Lady Oread, whenever you feel inclined for a game of billiards, I'm at your service. Lady Oread, jumping up. Charmed, I'm sure. I really thought you'd forgotten poor little me. Oh, look at Dodo. No, no, don't wake him. He's tired. I must. He looks so plain. Rousing Sir George. Dodo. Dodo. Hello? Dodo, dear, you were snoring. Oh, I say, you could have told me that by and by. You want a cigar, George? Come into the billiard room. Giving his arm to Lady Oriet. Kaylee, bring Paula. Aubrey and Lady Oriet go out. Sir George, rising. Hey, what? Billiard room. Looking at his watch. How goes the... Oh. Hello, hello. Whiskey and potass. He goes rapidly after Aubrey and Lady Oriet. Paula resumes playing. Paula, after a pause. Don't moon about after me, Kaylee. Follow the others. Thanks, by and by. Sitting. That's pretty. Paula, after another pause, still playing. I wish you wouldn't stare so. Was I staring? I'm sorry. She plays a little longer, then stops suddenly, rises and goes to the window, where she stands looking out. Drummle moves from the ottoman to the settee. A lovely night. Paula, startled. Ah! Without turning to him. Why do you hop about like a monkey? Hot rooms play the deuce for the nerves. Now, it would have done you good to have walked in the garden with us after dinner and made merry. Why didn't you? You know why. Ah, you're thinking of the difference between you and Aubrey. Yes, I am thinking of it. Well, so am I. How long? Getting on for three weeks. Bless me.
It must be. And this would have been such a night to have healed it. Moonlight, the stars, the scent of flowers, and yet enough darkness to enable a kind woman to rest her hand for an instant on the arm of a good fellow who loves her. Ah, it's a wonderful power, dear Mrs. Aubrey, the power of an offended woman. Only realize it. Just that one touch. The mere tips of her fingers. And, for herself and another, she changes the color of the whole world. Paula, turning to him calmly. Cayley, my dear man, you talk exactly like a very romantic old lady. She leaves the window and sits playing with the knick-knacks on the table. Drummle to himself. <sighs> that hasn't done it. Well, <laughs> I accept the suggestion. An old woman, eh? Oh, I didn't intend. But why not? I have every qualification. Well, almost. And I confess it would have given this withered bosom a throb of grandmotherly satisfaction if I could have seen you and Aubrey at peace before I take my leave tomorrow. Tomorrow, Cayley? I must. Oh, this house is becoming unendurable. You're very kind. But you've got the Oreads. Paula, fiercely. The Oreads? I hate the Oreads. I lie awake at night, hating them. Pardon me. I've understood that their visit is, in some degree, owing to... <clears throat> your suggestion. Heavens! That doesn't make me like them better. Somehow or another, I... I've outgrown these people. This woman, I used to think her jolly, sickens me. I can't breathe when she's near me. The whiff of her handkerchief turns me faint. And she patronises me by the hour, until I... I feel my nails growing longer with every word she speaks. My dear lady, why on earth don't you say all this to Aubrey? Oh, I've been such an utter fool, Cayley. Drummle soothingly. Well, well, mention it to Aubrey. No, no, you don't understand. What do you think I've done? Done? What? Since you invite the Oreads? Yes, I must tell you. Perhaps you'd better not. Look here. I've intercepted some letters from Mrs. Cortelion and Aline to him. Producing three unopened letters from the bodice of her dress. There are the accursed things. From Paris. Two from the Cortelion woman, the other from Aline. But why? Why? Oh, I don't know. Yes, I do. I saw letters coming from Aline to her father. Not a line to me, not a line. And one morning it happened I was downstairs before he was, and I spied this one lying with his heap on the breakfast table, and I slipped it into my pocket, out of malice, Cayley, pure devilry. And a day or two afterwards I met Yules, the postman at the lodge, and took the letters from him, and found these others amongst them. I felt simply fiendish when I saw them, fiendish returning the letters to her bodice and now i carry them about with me and they're scorching me like a mustard plaster oh this accounts for aubrey not hearing from paris lately that's an ingenious conclusion to arrive at of course it does <laughs>
Well, well. <laughs> Paula turning upon him. I suppose it is amusing. I beg pardon. Heaven knows I've little enough to brag about. I'm a bad lot. But not in mean tricks of this sort. In all my life, this is the most caddish thing I've done. How am I to get rid of these letters? That's what I want to know. How am I to get rid of them? If I were you, I should take Aubrey aside and put them into his hands as soon as possible. What? And tell him to his face that I... No, thank you. I suppose you wouldn't like to... No, no, I won't touch them. And you call yourself my friend? Drummle good-humouredly. No, I don't. Perhaps I'll tie them together and give them to his man in the morning. That won't avoid an explanation. Paula, recklessly. Oh, then he must miss them. And trace them. Paula, throwing herself upon the ottoman. I don't care. I know you don't. But let me send him to you now, may I? Now? What do you think a woman's made of? I couldn't stand it, Cayley. I haven't slept for nights. And last night there was thunder, too. I believe I've got the horrors. Drummle, taking the little hand mirror from the table. You'll sleep well enough when you deliver those letters. Come, come, Mrs. Aubrey. A good night's rest. Holding the mirror before her face. It's quite time. She looks at herself for a moment, then snatches the mirror from him. You brute, Cayley, to show me that. Then may I be guided by a, fr a poor old woman? May I? You'll kill me amongst you. What do you say? Paula, after a pause. Very well. He nods his head and goes out rapidly. She looks after him for a moment and calls, Cayley, Cayley. Then she again produces the letters, deliberately, one by one, fingering them with aversion. Suddenly she starts, turning her head towards the door. Ah! Aubrey enters quickly. Paula? Paula, handing him the letters, her face averted. There. He examines the letters, puzzled, and looks at her inquiringly. They are many days old. I stole them. I suppose to make you anxious and unhappy. He looks at the letters again, then lays them aside on the table. Aubrey, gently. Paula, dear, it doesn't matter. Paula, after a short pause. Why? Why do you take it like this? What did you expect? Oh, but I suppose silent reproaches are really the severest. And then, naturally, you are itching to open your letters. She crosses the room as if to go. Paula! She pauses. Surely, surely it's all over now. All over? Has my stepdaughter returned then? When did she arrive? I haven't heard of it. You can be very cruel. That word is always on a man's lips. He uses it if his soup's cold. With another movement as if to go. Need we? I know I've wounded you, Paula. But isn't there any way out of this? When does Aline return? Tomorrow? Next week? Oh, why should we grudge Aline the little pleasure she is likely to find in Paris and in London? I grudge her nothing, if that's a hit at me. But with that woman... It must be that woman or another. You know that at present we are unable to give Aline the opportunity of... of... 
of mixing with respectable people the opportunity of gaining friends experience ordinary knowledge of the world if you are interested in Eline, can't you see how useful mrs corleone's good offices are may i put one question at the end of the london season when mrs corleone has done with Eline, is it quite understood that the girl comes back to us aubrey is silent is it is it let us wait till the end of the season oh i knew it you are only fooling me you put me off with any trash i believe you've sent Eline away not for the reasons you give but because you don't consider me a decent companion for her because you're afraid she might get a little of her innocence rubbed off in my company come isn't that the truth be honest isn't that it yes there is a moment's silence on both sides paula with uplifted hands as if to strike him oh. aubrey taking her by the wrists sit down sit down he puts her into a chair she shakes herself free with a cry now listen to me fond as you are paula of harking back to your past there's one chapter of it you always let alone i've never asked you to speak of it you've never offered to speak of it i mean the chapter that relates to the time when you were like Eline. she attempts to rise he restrains her no no i don't choose to talk about that time i won't satisfy your curiosity my dear paula i have no curiosity i know what you were at Eline's age i'll tell you you hadn't a thought that wasn't a wholesome one you hadn't an impulse that didn't tend towards good you never harbored a notion you couldn't have gossiped about to a parcel of children she makes another effort to rise he lays his hand lightly on her shoulder and this was a very few years back there are days now when you look like a schoolgirl but think of the difference between the two paulas you'll have to think hard because after a cruel life one's perceptions grow a thick skin but for god's sakes do think till you get these two images clearly in your mind and then ask yourself what sort of a friend such a woman as you are today would have been for the girl of seven or eight years ago paula rising how dare you i could be almost as good a friend to Eline as her own mother would have been had she lived i know what you mean how dare you you say that very likely you believe it but you're blind paula you're blind you every belief that a young pure-minded girl holds sacred that you once held sacred you now make a target for a jest a sneer a paltry cynicism i tell you you're not mistress any longer of your thoughts or your tongue why how often sitting between you and Eline, have i seen her cheeks turn scarlet as you've rattled off some tale that belongs by right to the club or the smoking-room have you noticed the blush if you have has the cause of it ever struck you and this is the girl you say you love i admit that you do love whose love you expect in return oh paula i make the best the only excuse for you when i tell you you're blind Eline, Eline blushes easily you blushed as easily a few years ago well have you finished your sermon aubrey with a gesture of despair oh paula 
going up to the window and standing with his back to the room. Paula to herself. A few years ago? She walks slowly towards the door, then suddenly drops upon the ottoman in a paroxysm of weeping. Oh, God, a few years ago. Aubrey going to her. Paula. Don't touch me. Paula. Oh, go away from me. He goes back a few steps, and after a little while she becomes calmer and rises unsteadily, then in an altered tone. Look here. He advances a step. She checks him with a quick gesture. Look here. Get rid of these people, Mabel and her husband, as soon as possible. I've done with them. Paula. And then? Then, when the time comes for Aline to leave Mrs. Cortelion, give me... Give me another chance. He advances again, but she shrinks away. No, no! She goes out by the door on the right. He sinks onto the settee, covering his eyes with his hands. There is a brief silence. Then a servant enters. Mrs. Cortelion, sir, with Miss Aline. Aubrey rises to meet Mrs. Cortelion, who enters, followed by Aline, both being in travelling dresses. The servant withdraws. Mrs. Cortelion shaking hands with Aubrey. Oh, my dear Aubrey! Mrs. Cortelion! Kissing Aline. Aline, dear! Papa, is all well at home? We're shockingly anxious. Yes, yes, all's well. This is quite unexpected. To Mrs. Cortelion. You found Paris insufferably hot? Insufferably hot. Paris is pleasant enough. We've had no letter from you. I wrote to Aline a week ago. Without alluding to the subject I had written to you upon. Aubrey, thinking. Ah, of course. And since then we've both written, and you've been absolutely silent. Oh, it's too bad. Aubrey, picking up the letters from the table. It isn't altogether my fault. Here are the letters. Papa! They're unopened. An accident delayed their reaching me till this evening. I'm afraid this has upset you very much. Upset me? Aline, in an undertone to Mrs. Cortelian. Never mind. Not now, dear. Not tonight. Eh? Mrs. Cortelian, to Aline, aloud. Child, run away and take your things off. She doesn't look as if she journeyed from Paris today. I've never seen her with such a color. Taking Aline's hands. Aline to Aubrey, in a faint voice. Papa, Mrs. Cortelian has been so very, very kind to me, but I... I have come home. She goes out. Come home? To Mrs. Cortelian. Aline returns to us, then? That's the very point I put to you in my letters, and you oblige me to travel from Paris to Willowmere on a warm day to settle it. I think perhaps it's right that Aline should be with you just now, although I, my dear friend, circumstances are a little altered. Alice, you're in some trouble. Well, yes, I am in trouble. You remember pretty little Mrs. Brereton, 
who was once caroline ardale quite well she's a widow now poor thing she has the entresol of the house where we've been lodging in the avenue de friedland caroline's a dear chum of mine she formed a great liking for aline i'm very glad yes it's nice for her to meet her mother's friends er uh, that young hugh ardale the papers were full of some time ago he's caroline brereton's brother you know no i didn't know what did he do i forget checked one of those horrid mutinies at some faraway station in india marched down with a handful of his men and a few faithful natives and held the place until he was relieved they gave him his company and a v c for it and he's mrs brereton's brother yes he's with his sister was rather in paris he's home invalided good gracious aubrey why don't you help me out can't you guess what has occurred alice young ardale aline an attachment yes aubrey well i suppose i've got myself into sad disgrace but really i didn't foresee anything of this kind a serious reserved child like aline and a boyish high-spirited soldier it never struck me as being likely aubrey paces to and fro thoughtfully i did all i could directly captain ardale spoke wrote to you at once why on earth didn't you receive your letters promptly and when you do get them why can't you open them i endured the anxiety till last night and then made up my mind home of course it has worried me terribly my head's bursting are there any salts about aubrey fetches a bottle from the cabinet and hands it to her we've had one of those hateful smooth crossings that won't let you be properly indisposed my dear alice i assure you i've no thought of blaming you that statement always precedes a quarrel i don't know whether this is the worst or the best luck how will my wife regard it is captain ardale a good fellow my dear aubrey you'd better read up the accounts of his wonderful heroism face to face with death for a whole week always with a smile and a cheering word for the poor helpless souls depending on him of course it's that that has stirred the depth of your child's nature i've watched her while we've been dragging the story out of him and if angels look different from aline at that moment i don't desire to meet any that's all if you were in my position but you can't judge why if i had a marriageable daughter of my own and captain ardale proposed for her naturally i should cry my eyes out all night but i should thank heaven in the morning you believe so thoroughly in him do you think i should have only a headache at this minute if i didn't look here you've got to see me down the lane that's the least you can do my friend come into my house for a moment and shake hands with you what is he here he came through with us to present himself formally to-morrow where are my gloves aubrey fetches them from the ottoman make my apologies to mrs tankery please 
she is well i hope going towards the door i can't feel sorry she hasn't seen me in this condition aline enters aline to mrs cortellian i've been waiting to wish you good night i was afraid i'd missed you good night aline aline in a low voice embracing mrs cortellian i can't thank you dear mrs cortellian mrs cortellian her arms round aline in a whisper to aubrey speak a word to her mrs cortellian goes out aubrey to aline aline i'm going to see mrs corleone home tell paula where i am explain dear going to the door aline her head drooping yes father you are angry with me disappointed angry no disappointed aubrey smiling and going to her and taking her hand if so it's only because you've shaken my belief in my discernment i thought you took after your poor mother a little aline but there's a look on your face to-night dear that i never saw on hers never never aline leaning her head on his shoulder perhaps i ought not to have gone away hush you're quite happy yes that's right then as you are quite happy there is something i particularly want you to do for me aline what is that be very gentle with paula will you you think i've been unkind aubrey kissing her upon the forehead be very gentle with paula he goes out and she stands looking after him then as she turns thoughtfully from the door a rose is thrown through the window and falls at her feet she picks up the flower wonderingly and goes to the window aline starting back hugh hugh ardale a handsome young man of about seven-and-twenty with a boyish face and manner appears outside the window nelly nelly dear what's the matter hush nothing it's only fun ha 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 i've found out that mrs cortelyon's meadow runs up to your father's plantation i've come through a gap in the hedge why hugh i'm miserable at the warren it's so different from the avenue de friedland don't look like that upon my word i meant just to peep at your home and go back but i saw figures moving about here and came nearer hoping to get a glimpse of you was that your father entering the room yes isn't this fun a rabbit ran across my foot while i was hiding behind that old yew you must go away it's not right for you to be here like this but it's only fun i tell you you take everything so seriously do wish me good night we have said good night in the hall at the warren before mrs cortleon and a manservant oh it's so different from the avenue de friedland aline giving him her hand hastily good night hugh is that all we might be the merest acquaintances he momentarily embraces her but she releases herself it's when you're like this that you make me feel utterly miserable throwing the rose from her angrily oh i've offended you now i suppose yes forgive me nelly come into the garden for five minutes we'll stroll down to the plantation no no for two minutes to tell me you forgive me 
I forgive you. Evidently. I shan't sleep a wink tonight after this. What a fool am I? Come down to the plantation. Make it up with me. There is somebody coming into this room. Do you wish to be seen here? I shall wait for you behind that yew tree. You must speak to me, Nellie. He disappears. Paula enters. Elaine! You... You are very surprised to see me, Paula, of course. Why are you here? Why aren't you with... your friend? I've come home, if you'll have me. We left Paris this morning. Mrs. Cortellian brought me back. She was here a minute or two ago. Papa has just gone with her to the Warren. He asked me to tell you. There are some people staying with us that I'd rather you didn't meet. It was hardly worth your while to return for a few hours. A few hours? Well, when do you go to London? I don't think I go to London, after all. Paula, eagerly. You, you've quarrelled with her? No, 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 not that, but Paula, Paula. Huh? Aline goes deliberately to Paula and kisses her. Aline? Kiss me. What? What's come to you? I want to behave differently to you in the future. Is it too late? Too late? Impulsively kissing Aline and crying. No, 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 no. Paula, don't cry. Paula, wiping her eyes. I'm a little shaky. I haven't been sleeping. It's all right. Talk to me. There is something I want to tell you. Is there? Is there? They sit together on the ottoman, Paula taking Aline's hand. Paula, in our house in the Avenue de Friedland, on the floor below us, there was a Mrs. Brereton. She used to be a friend of my mother's. Mrs. Cortellian and I spent a great deal of our time with her. Paula suspiciously. Oh! Letting Aline's hand fall. Is this lady going to take you up in place of Mrs. Cortellian? No, no. Her brother is staying with her. Was staying with her. Her brother... Breaking off in confusion. Well? Paula? She rises and walks away. Paula following her. Aline? Taking hold of her. You're not in love? Aline looks at Paula appealingly. Oh, you in love. You. Oh, this is why you've come home. Of course you can make friends with me now. You'll leave us for good soon, I suppose. So it doesn't much matter being civil to me for a little while. Oh, Paula. Why, how you've deceived us. All of us. We've taken you for a cold-blooded little saint. The fools you've made of us. Saint Aline. Saint Aline. Oh, I might have known you'd only mock me. Paula, her tone changing. Eh? I, I can't talk to you. Sitting on the settee. You do nothing else but mock and sneer. Nothing else. Eline, dear, Eline, I didn't mean it. I'm so horribly jealous. It's a sort of curse on me. Kneeling beside Eline and embracing her. My tongue runs away with me. I'm going to alter. I swear I am. I've made some good resolutions, and as God's above me, I'll keep them. If you are in love, if you do ever marry, there's no reason why we shouldn't be fond of each other. Come, you've kissed me of your own accord, you can't take it back. Now we're friends again, aren't we, Aline, dear? I want to know everything, everything, Aline, dear, Aline. Paula, 
Hugh has done something that makes me very angry. He came with us from Paris today to see Papa. He is staying with Mrs. Cortellian, and I ought to tell you. Yes, yes. What? He has found his way by the Warren Meadow, through the plantation up to this house. He is waiting to bid me good night. Glancing towards the garden. He is out there. Oh. What shall I do? Bring him in to see me, will you? No, no. But I'm dying to know him. Oh, yes, you must. I shall meet him before Aubrey does. Excitedly running her hands over her hair. I'm so glad. Aline goes out by the window. The mirror, mirror. Oh, what a fright I must look. Not finding the hand-glass on the table, she jumps onto the settee and surveys herself in the mirror over the mantelpiece, then sits quietly down and waits. Aline, just fancy, Aline! After a pause, Aline enters by the window with Hugh. Paula, this is Captain Ardale, Mrs. Tanqueray. Paula rises and turns, and she and Hugh stand staring blankly at each other for a moment or two. Then Paula advances and gives him her hand. Paula, in a strange voice, but calmly, How do you do? How do you do? Paula to Aline. Mr. Ardale and I have met in London, Aline. Uh, Captain Ardale now? Yes. In London? They say the world's very small, don't they? Yes. Aline, dear, I want to have a little talk about you. To Mr. Ardale. Captain Ardale. Alone. Putting her arms around Aline and leading her to the door. Come back in a little while. Aline nods to Paula with a smile and goes out, while Paula stands watching her at the open door. In a little while. In a little. Closing the door and then taking a seat facing Hugh. Be quick. Mr. Tanqueray has only gone down to the Warren with Mrs. Cortellion. What is to be done? Done? Done. Done. Something must be done. I understood that Mr. Tanqueray had married a Mrs. Mrs. Jarman? Yes. I'd been going by that name. You didn't follow my doings after we separated. No. Paula, sneeringly. No. I went out to India. What's to be done? Damn this chance. Oh, my God. Your husband doesn't know, does he? That you and I... Yes. No. He knows about the others. Not about me. How long were we... I don't remember exactly. Do you... Uh, do you think it matters? His... his daughter! Oh! With a muttered exclamation, he turns away and sits with his head in his hands. What's to be done? I wish I could think. Oh, oh, what happened to that flat of ours in Ethelbert Street? I let it. All the pretty furniture? Sold it. I came across the key of the escritoire the other day in an old purse. Suddenly realizing the horror and hopelessness of her position, and starting to her feet with a hysterical cry of rage. What am I maundering about? For God's sake, be quiet. Do let me think. This will send me mad. Suddenly turning and standing over him. You, 
you beast to crop up in my life again like this i always treated you fairly paula weakly oh i beg your pardon i know you did i <laughs> she sinks onto the settee crying hysterically hush she kissed me tonight i'd won her over i've had such a fight to make her love me and now just as she's beginning to love me to bring this on her hush hush don't break down oh you don't know i haven't been getting on well in my marriage it's been my fault the life i used to lead spoilt me completely but i'd made up my mind to turn over a new life from tonight from tonight paula don't you call me that mrs tanqueray there is no cause for you to despair in this way it's all right i tell you it shall be all right paula shivering what are we to do hold our tongues hey staring vacantly the chances are a hundred to one against anyone ever turning up who knew us when we were together besides no one would be such a brute as to split on us if anybody did do such a thing we should have to lie what are we upsetting ourselves like this for when we've simply got to hold our tongues you're as mad as i am can you think of a better plan there's only one plan possible let's come to our senses mr tanqueray must be told your husband what and i lose elian i lose elian you've got to lose her i won't lose her i can't lose her didn't i read of your doing any number of brave things in india why you seem to be an awful coward that's another sort of pluck altogether i haven't this sort of pluck oh i don't ask you to tell mr tanqueray that's my job hugh standing over her you you you'd better you paula rising don't bully me i intend to hugh taking hold of her she wrenches herself free look here paula i never treated you badly you've owned it why should you want to pay me out like this you don't know how i love elian yes that's just what i do know i say you don't she's as good as my own mother i've been downright honest with her too i told her in paris that i'd been a bit wild at one time and after a damned wretched day she promised to forgive me because of what i'd done since in india she's behaved like an angel to me surely i oughtn't to lose her after all just because i've been like other fellows no i haven't been half as rackety as a hundred men we could think of paula don't pay me out for nothing be fair to me there's a good girl be fair to me oh i'm not considering you at all i advise you not to stay here any longer mr tanqueray is sure to be back soon hugh taking up his hat what's the understanding between us then what have we arranged to do i don't know what you're going to do i've got to tell mr tanqueray by god you shall do nothing of the sort approaching her fiercely you shocking coward if you dare going up to the window mind if you dare paula following him why what would you do nothing 
I'd shoot myself. That's nothing. Good night. Good night. He disappears. She walks unsteadily to the ottoman and sits, and as she does so, her hand falls upon the little silver mirror, which she takes up, staring at her own reflection. End of the third act.